is going to bring something special, and I'm so glad that you're worshiping with us today. I know many of you are here because you want to see the Class Act kids perform, and I promise you around 9 o'clock or shortly thereafter, they'll be making their way to the stage. I have a confession that I'd like to make to you at this time. It's a confession from my youth, especially uh, my teenage years. I spent much of my time as a teenager trying to be part of the inside crowd. I wanted to be cool. I wanted to fit in. Uh, Growing up in Champaign, for whatever reason, maybe it's different than other places, maybe it's not, but it seemed like, at least as a 14-year-old and a 15-year-old, that line was defined pretty clearly between who was in and who was out. Anybody ever felt like that? Anybody feel like that today, maybe? Some of us, quite honestly? Well, that's really what I want to talk about this morning. Really, that's the the, the focus of this message. What's an insider? What's an outsider? And I wrestled all week with who to turn to for such a deep theological study, and I decided we're going to turn to none other than Dr. Seuss. Don't we love Dr. Seuss, okay? Dr. Seuss wrote many, many wonderful books, but one of the books that he wrote that honestly I don't think anybody on our staff had even heard of before is a book called The Sneetches. Anybody heard of The Sneetches? Some of us have heard of The Sneetches. The Sneetches is the story of a a group of people, animals, that live on beaches, and these Sneetches that live on beaches are distinguished in one of two ways. They either have a green star on their belly or they don't. Now the green starred sneeches, they're the insiders. They're the cool sneeches. They're the ones that have things like campfires and wiener roasts and they spend time together singing songs of brotherhood and fellowship. The sneeches that have no star on their belly, they're the outsiders. They're not allowed to be a part of the inside crowd. And Dr. Suits does a great job really drawing a distinction between the green star sneeches that are in and the plain-bellied sneeches that are out. It seems to be cut and dried. Well, then one day, a fix-it-up chappy named Sylvester McMonkey McBean comes to town with a strange contraption called a star-on machine. And for a mere $3, you can go into his contraption, and when you come out, you will have a green star on your belly. Well, that's the greatest deal going. And so the plain-bellied sneeches line up, and before long, all of the sneeches have a green star on their belly. We're all going to live happily ever after, but not so fast. The original Green Star Sneetches, they're not happy at all. And Sylvester McMonkey McBean lets him know that he has a second machine that he's brought with him as well. It's the Star Off Machine. And for just $10, $10, you can get that hideous Green Star removed from your belly. And so uh, a give and a take takes place and before long stars are put on stars are put off until all of the sneeches what happens to them you remember all their money is gone and sylvester mcmonkey mcbean loads up his contraptions and he heads out of town and chaos surely will ensue 
Well, it's got a great ending to the story. I'm not going to share it with you, but if you have kids in junior church, they're watching the animated version this morning. You can hear the rest of the story. But it's a great illustration of the fact that some people are in and some people are out. So many in the world today ask that question, am I an insider? Am I an outsider? Are you in or are you out? Well, you're probably wondering, what's this have to do with Christmas? You got a Christmas tree on the stage. You got a nativity. What's this have to do with Christmas? I'm glad you asked. Turn to Matthew chapter 2. We're going to read an account that my guess is just about everybody that's here today has heard at least something about. It's the story of the Magi coming to visit baby Jesus. So let's read together from Matthew chapter 2. Matthew writes these words. He says, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who's been born King of the Jews? We saw a star in the east. We come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all of Jerusalem with him. When he called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied. For this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After they'd heard the king, they went on their way. And the star they'd seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. Coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary. And they bowed down and they worshipped him. And then they opened their treasures and they presented him with gifts of gold and of incense and of myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country through another route. Well, what, what do we know about these magi? What do we know about, many of you know them as the wise men. What's the hymn? That we sing. We three kings of Orient are. Not, not really good theologically because they probably weren't kings. Have we sung that this year? Okay, good job. All right, uh, let's find out what we know about the Magi. Here's what I can tell you this morning they were not kings, but they were probably magicians, astrologers, and interpreters of dreams from Persia or Babylon. We know that we don't know how many there were. How many do we assume came? We assume three. Why do we assume three? Because three gifts came. The gold and the incense and the myrrh. But we do not know the exact number that came. We don't know when they came. We don't know if it was the week of the birth. We don't know if it was up to two years later. We're unsure of exactly when they came to worship Jesus, the newborn king. But this we do know, they were thoughtful observers of stars and planets, and they probably combined two disciplines, I should say disciplines, typically kept separate, astronomy and astrology. But here's what I really want you to see this morning. 
They were clearly outsiders. They weren't part of the cool inside religious crowd. See, this idea of a Messiah, it was not a new idea. If you read through the 39 books of the Old Testament, you will see repeated many times the hope for the Savior, the hope for the Messiah. You'll see it spelled out that a baby will be born and he will be called Emmanuel, God with us. If you were religious and you were paying attention and you feared God, you knew hope was coming. You knew a Savior was coming. You knew a Messiah was coming. And in your mind, in your vision of how it would all play out, you probably thought it would be something mystical, something majestic. There'd be a great ceremony or feast at the temple. And, and, and the highest of high, religiously, would be given this gift of this beautiful newborn king. You would have never dreamed that outsiders, like astrologers, magicians, interpreters of dreams, would be able to be part of the story. See, they were outsiders by race. They were outsiders by profession. They were outsiders by lifestyle. And just reading through the Old Testament, many of us read through it at least once this year. How did the most religious of religious feel about outsiders? They looked down at them. They thought less of them. They looked at them like they were a sneech with no green star on their belly. And the Magi, they are walking illustrations of God's mercy, God's absolute mercy for outsiders. If you don't get anything else from this message, understand that whenever you hear that song, We Three Kings of Orient Are, or whenever you look at a, a nativity and you see the, the, the magi dressed in their beautiful clothes, if you get nothing else from that, understand they are a living, walking illustration of God's mercy toward outsiders. I, I can't miss, I hope you can't miss the contrast between the insiders and the outsiders in our story, in, in, in the first century world. What characteristics did the insiders, the very religious of the day, exhibit? Well, they were full of spiritual pride and they were smug. They were complacent. Many of them were bored and had a very coldness of the heart. Their hearts were cold. The religion had become routine. It had become ritualistic. It had become just another part of life. We don't see passion. I, I think it's fair to say that many of the people that Jesus came to redeem, they weren't hostile toward him. They were absolutely ignorant. They just ignored this birth of the newborn king. And what about these outsiders? These outsiders refused to take grace for granted. The pagan outsiders seek. They leave the comfort, the security that they had in their homelands. 
and they gave everything for the journey. Well, when I think about Christmas, when you think about Christmas, more than likely, you probably think about gifts. And while I am definitely not Santa Claus, I don't even have a red sweater on today, I did come today bearing gifts. And the really cool thing about gifts is that every gift tells a story. Did you realize that? Every gift tells a story. So we're going to have a little fun for a couple minutes today. You didn't know you were going to get a present today, did you? So I'm going to start right here with Barb Baker. Barb, go ahead and open that present up right now. This gift that I am giving Barb, actually First Christian Church is giving Barb, it's significant. There's a reason behind this gift. What, what, what is that right there? It's the book, The Christian Atheist. The significance of this book is that we need to be on fire for God. This is a book that's all about spiritual complacency. So when I read through this book, we preach through this book this August, many of us were reminded we need to be on fire for the Lord. So that's the significance of that gift. Now you're probably wondering, why did I pick you? I'm not really sure, but it's yours. It's all yours. There you go. God bless you. I'm moving right on here. I'm going to come up right here to Fayetta. How are you today? You didn't know you were getting a gift, did you? You put a Christmas sweater on, all kinds of crazy things happen. Go ahead and open that up. Let's see what we have here. We have right here the Essential Bible Companion. And this is a, a very easy read. It gives you insight on all 66 books of the Bible. This reminds us that we need to really understand what we are reading. So, Fayetta, God bless you. There's a gift for you today. Every time she looks at that, she's going to be reminded of how special God's Word really is. Come to church, sit on the center aisle. Amazing things will happen to you. Check this out, my man, right here. Check that out. What do we have here? I'm trying to remember what we have here. I need Peggy to help me. What do we have here? Oh, of course, of course. We have the Bible in 90 days. Check this out. It's all right, buddy. It's all good there. It's all right. It's yours, so don't worry about it. It's all good. Here, we'll just rip that right off there. Okay, the Bible in 90 days. This reminds us that if we dive in and we are hungry and we're in the Word, we can get through all 66 books of the Bible in 90 days. I've got to come over here to some of my friends on the left. Let's see who we have here. Who can we... Who can we bless this morning here? Check that out there, Marty. What do you have there? Peggy told me she's not good at rapping. Peggy, you did a great job rapping. An absolute great job rapping. What do we have here? We have a life application study Bible. And the significance of that gift is that when you're reading through and studying, the notes that you have in study Bibles help you better understand. My guess is if she looked up Matthew chapter 2, you don't have to, but if you looked in Matthew chapter 2, they would have notes about the significance of the Magi and notes about the significance of the gifts. So we're going to talk about that in just a moment. And I've got one final gift here today. Let's see, who do I want to give this to today? Check this out. What do we have here? I know. She's a great rapper. Don't ever let, you, let Peggy tell you she's not a good rapper. I can't get them open. It's great. Good job. We have here the woman's devotional Bible. See, I had to make sure I gave it to a woman. That would have been really bad if I would have given it to you. That wouldn't have been good at all. But here you go. Mom's devotional Bible. There you go. 
So there you go. God bless you. It's significant that it reminds you that sometimes when we read through God's Word, it always speaks to us in, in a general way, but sometimes certain passages will speak to us in ways uh, th- that depend upon our life experience in many ways. And you're probably wondering, what did that have to do with the sermon? How many of you are wondering that, right? Well, here's the significance that I want you to see. The gifts that are in Matthew chapter 2 tell a story. What were the gifts? They're on the screen. Gold and incense and myrrh. Why gold, incense, and myrrh? What's the significance of these gifts? Well, the gold symbolizes that Jesus is our king. As Mary and Joseph were sitting there, I'm guessing here, this is speculation on my part, my guess is the Magi came to visit Jesus at least a year after he was born. That's my guess. I I, I can't prove that. The Bible doesn't tell us that. But my guess is at least a year had passed by from that beautiful night in Bethlehem. And, And don't forget, Mary and Joseph both had supernatural encounters with angels. And they were told some incredible, incredible truths. That this baby is is the hope for the world. He will save his people from their sins. Incredible, incredible promises of truth. And as the gold is given to them by the Magi, more than likely it's confirmation that, yes, this is true. Jesus is our king. What about the incense? Anybody here burn incense? I'll come home sometimes and incense, some sort of spice will be burning. It just resonates all through the home. It's a beautiful, beautiful smell. Incense was huge in in the Old Testament. Huge in in temple worship, in synagogue worship. And and the gift of incense symbolizes that Jesus is becoming the ultimate priest. Do not forget that up to this point in time, you couldn't do religion on your own. You couldn't atone for your sins on your own. You had to have the intercessor. You had to have the go-between. And this gift of incense symbolizes that Jesus is becoming the ultimate priest. The book of Hebrews, I believe, talks about how how Jesus is is the ultimate high priest. And then what about myrrh? Myrrh symbolizes that Jesus will die. Myrrh was a burial spice. What an odd gift it must have seemed as Mary held this gift of myrrh there, this spice that was used for burial. And yet it reminds us that Jesus Christ will become, he has become, our one time for all time sacrifice. One time for all time sacrifice. So what's the point of the Magi narrative? Here's here's the point. Here's what I want you to see this morning. Because of God's incredible grace, because of God's incredible mercy, outsiders become insiders. It's turned upside down in so many ways. And so this December, my challenge for you is that you have your eyes wide open. As you go, how, how many of you have a hectic December planned? I know I do. Many of us do. But you go through your hectic December with your eyes wide open. Right now the ushers are going to come forward and they're going to give everybody in here a piece of paper. And... Uh, As they do that, I want to remind you that just like the Magi, we are called to seek. We are called to find. And we are called to proclaim. I don't know why it is. I don't know what it is about Christmas. But so many people 
this, this month, every year, every year in December, are more open to spiritual truths, I think, than maybe any other time during the year. Um, I would like for Easter to be what really motivates people in many ways. But it seems to be the Christmas season when, for whatever reason, more people than ever before are open to considering the truth of Jesus Christ. And so this December, we're doing something different. Many of you, if you have a 61727 uh, mailing address, you received a... uh, information about events that are happening at our church this December that went to every mailing address in Clinton Illinois we're trying to more than ever before be very proactive in telling our story what we're doing what opportunities are out there and I'm challenging everyone this morning this year to consider three gifts for the king three gifts for baby Jesus who became man Jesus who became the one time for all time sacrifice for you and me. Will you consider this December praying three prayers? Three people in your life that don't know Jesus or aren't living for Jesus, will you pray for them? Will you pray for them this morning? Will you pray for them all month long? Three invitations. We've got some great events happening this December. Next week, our choir is going to have a phenomenal program. On the 18th, the Bible School Christmas program is taking place. It's going to be a lot of fun on the 18th. Also on that day, the chimes and the signs and songs choirs are performing. That's going to be great. 24th, we're having a musical for Christmas Eve. The times are a little different this year, 5 and 7, as opposed to how we usually have done it in the past at 6 and 8. So don't show up at 6. You'll be really early for the second Christmas Eve service. But it's going to be a very special Christmas Eve service. And then on Christmas morning, Sunday, December 25, we're going to have one service at 9.30. Will you invite three people to worship with you this December? And then finally, I know this is outside the comfort zone for many of us. Will you consider having three conversations about Jesus? You don't have to know everything. I I certainly don't know everything. But here is something that I've learned in 20 plus years of ministry. People who love Jesus and tell others about Jesus preach the greatest sermons. They teach the greatest lessons. They have the most inspiring devotions that you could possibly encounter. It may not be 25 minutes from Matthew 2. It may not be eloquent. The words may not all line up in an acrostic. But when it's from your heart to someone else, it's powerful and it's effective. Don't forget one of the messages that Mary and Joseph heard from their supernatural encounter with an angel. Jesus will come to save his people from their sins. And if we really believe that it's true, why not tell that story? Let's pray. God, thank you so much for today. And Father, so many people in our world today are working overtime to try to be an insider. Maybe the way they dress Maybe the car that they drive. Maybe the neighborhood that they want to live in. Maybe the athletic team that they want to cheer for. But we are reminded once again this morning that if we truly want to be an insider, 
It's only through the hope and the grace of Jesus Christ that we can make that happen. We thank you so much for that little baby Jesus who grew up to become the man Jesus who went to the cross for each and every one of us. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for his grace and mercy. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. And, and that's what it's all about. It's all about we are all outsiders, but because of, because of what Jesus did for us, we become insiders. And our invitation is for each and every one of you, if you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, we invite you as we sing together this hymn of invitation. Won't you stand with me this morning? Go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere. Go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born. While shepherds kept their watching o'er silent flocks by night, Behold, throughout the heavens there shone a holy light. Go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere. Go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born. Down in the lowly manger, the humble Christ was born and brought us God's salvation that blessed Christmas morn. Go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere. Go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born. Thank you so much. You may be seated. Hello. I'm going to have Tom and Kathy and Daniel and John come on up here. This is the Tomlinson family. Tom, Kathy, Daniel, and John. They also have two sons that are in college that are